Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. Da 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 da! All right. Oh, that was strained. Ooh, uh, we're back again. Yeah. <laughs> and Josh is with us again. Yes, well, this is just becoming everyone. a regular thing. I'm I'm kind of so. excited about that. To Josh being with us. <gasps> I, I was look. Josh has this fancy screen over the top of his microphone, mm-hmm. and I thought it said rude. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> well, that's a reminder. <laughs> I can't figure out if it says roadie or road. Yeah, I'm going to go with Rode. But I think it's Rody though. I really do think it's Rody. So if, if you're listening to our podcast... Or Rode. Rode, yeah. I, I used to know the answer to this because there's a brand... Yeah, it's got a yeah. zero. It's got, it's got a zero. It's got an O with a line through it. Yeah. So it I don't know what Greek. that means. No, I'm <laughs> it's not Greek. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not. It's not. Anyway. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, we are... Uh, we have had a great um, a week. Oh, they're so... They're all good. They're all good. I don't know how we can have a bad week. We've been reading through the God's Word together. And uh, we are now in Genesis chapter 33 all the way through 46. We don't finish Genesis this week. Next week we will, but uh, but not this week. And uh, Psalm 9 uh, through Psalm 12, uh, Proverbs 3, and the end of Proverbs 3, beginning of Proverbs 4, and Matthew's chapter, Matthew chapters 12 through 15. Yeah, and I just want to say, if you are reading through the Bible, if this is your first time, or maybe you've tried doing it before, and you kind of get, a lot of people get to like the fourth book of the Bible, third book of the Bible, yeah. and just kind of taper out. And I understand, but man, towards the latter half of the year, because we just did this last year. Yeah. Towards the latter half of the year, those books go by like that. I yes. mean, you get through three or four books in a single sitting. Right. So you, you, you pay a lot up front, but man, if you left off somewhere, pick up there or pick yeah. up where we are. It, there's there's no bad place to start. And we have a year of podcast in the bank. So yep. you could be reading anywhere along the Bible reading and kind of figure out, we really should start putting... <laughs> <laughs> what we read in the title so that uh, people can, and when yeah. they're looking, yeah, make, make, a, make a note of that. I'll make well, a note. Yeah. Right. And so also that, the uh, Old Testament is awesome to read. And if you listen to the podcast and you have questions, ask yeah. us because the Old Testament's awesome. We and love if you. Yeah. And nobody um, has questions about the New Testament. It's always Old right. Testament questions. Well, and if you don't know, understand okay. the Old Testament, then how could you fully understand the New Testament? True. You know? True that. Uh, we, um, but we are, uh, the key is, is to work Bible reading into your daily routine. And uh, if you can just get a little bit and there and you're behind, this is not a like a, hey, you should catch up with us or whatever. We're just telling you what we read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can call in anytime and say, hey, I know I'm two chapters, five chapters, 10 chapters behind you, but I had a question about this. We will flash back and yeah. we'll be glad to go back mm-hmm. and look at something. Uh, but uh, the key is, again, that we're all reading the Bible, reading the Bible through um, if it takes you two years to get through, awesome. If it takes you five years to get through, that's okay. Uh, the plan we're on uh, that you can get off of our website, fbcj.us, is uh, it takes us through for a year. And uh, yeah. and so if you stick with us, you'll get through the – you will have read the Bible when we get to the end of the year. Boom. So 
There and, we we're, go. and we're sitting here, we're talking about the Bible most days anyway. Yeah. So we just record this conversation. So you're not going to interrupt us if you have an off-the-wall question. Exactly. It's fine. Yeah. So so anyway, we're going to come back. Before we get to questions, we will do some uh, commentary on what we what God showed us through our reading of the Word this week. So we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Here we go. This is the de- uh, the the devotional. That's what it's called. The, <laughs> devotional, right. the segment devotional segment of our podcast. So polished, Daniel. So, thank so you. Polished. I know we've been doing this for over a year, and I still devotion. I keep wanting to say discipleship because oh, I have a yeah. D next it's, to my oh, notes. Those are both accurate. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah. So what mm-hmm. we do, if you're new, um, we go around and we just talk about some of the things that stuck out to us in the weekly readings. That's right. If we were writing Bible commentaries, this is it. <laughs> this is what we would say. That's right. <laughs> but that. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope no one makes a book of this podcast. Yeah, right, All right. right. Josh, we, we mm-hmm. have never – this is like a graduation for Josh Humphreys because we have never let a guest Whoa. Start. go first. Start, yeah. So so this would be wow. you starting, and so we're really not thinking of you as a guest anymore. Yeah, it's like your third or fourth like episode. Guy, yeah. it is, it's my third episode. Third episode. Oh, wow. I know, I know. Okay. Well, right. I will gladly start, Troy. Um, mine is in Proverbs 4, 18 through 19. And it says this, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Um, And this really stuck out to me just because of the imagery that's used here of darkness and light, the contrast that we see. Um, And the reason I think it sticks out to me so much is because of um, hunting. Now, I know I don't look like someone who has been hunting before, but I most certainly um, have been. And if you think about, um, even if you know, your hiking story of being in the darkness on the mountain, you know, or if you can think about even just stumbling through your house, um, we know that darkness, um, the the path is hard to find. You don't know what you're going to step on. And if you do trip, you don't know what it was. Was it, you know, a dead body? Was it a log? Was it, um, a a trap? I don't know. Um, but what kind of darkness are you walking through? (laughs) I mean, the woods in the middle of Bullinger County. So (laughs) kind of scary, but you also like, don't know what's going to hit you in the face. You don't know. Um, and you do fall and you do get hit in the face and you get hit by thorns and, and all these things. Um, and so that's very, um, just kind of a, an image that popped into my mind about how darkness, um, you don't know what's happening around you and you're always stumbling and falling and you don't know which way to go or how to get out or anything like that. But if we look at verse 18, it says, but the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines, which shines brighter and brighter. And again, if we look back at just like hunting, we would go out in the morning early, early in the morning when there was just darkness. And then you would go out in the afternoon. It was bright. It was light. You'd go out around, you know, two or three o'clock and get to your stand or you're blind. And mm. um, you could see everything that you couldn't see before. Um, you could see the thorns. You could see the, you know, we didn't see any dead bodies, but you could see, you know, <laughs> things that were in your way. You could duck. You could hide. You could, you know take a different path just because that's where light is. And that's exactly how our um, walk with Christ is. If it's dark, um, if, if you don't know Christ, there is no way for you to see what's going to trip you up, um, what is tripping you up. There's no way to escape that. There's no way to hide from the branches that are sticking out and going to hit you in the face. And and we know, we know what's going to hit us. And if we fall into sin, it's because we choose to trip over that log or we choose to walk straight into that branch. And that's just really what stuck out to me in those verses. So, yeah. Awesome. Sweet. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Well, we um, we're all journaler people, and uh, and I've been keeping a journal for years. And one of the neat things about keeping a journal is when you look back and say, I wonder what passage stuck out to me, you know, when I went to the Bible before. And this passage from Proverbs uh, chapter three uh, is actually one that I've wrote down, thinking I didn't write it down in previous years, but three years in a row. 
Uh, so apparently, it uh, God's like, yeah. <laughs> you still haven't got hello. this yet. It's like, hello. <laughs> but this is what it says. This is my son. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Mm-hmm. So they will be life to you, soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Mm. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So it's actually very much in line with what Josh was just talking about. Uh, but um, I, um, I just, uh, I said, you know, I wrote down, I thought of where Paul says to be careful how you walk. Uh, a fall comes quickly, but the consequences linger on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wrote down uh, something that Oswald Chambers says. I wrote in my previous journal, I said Oswald said something really good, but I didn't write it down. But this time I wrote it yeah. down. <laughs> He says, in our personal lives, every expansion of heart must be paid for by watchfulness. Mm -hmm. If it is not, looseness ending in moral collapse is sure to result. And what a good word that is. Mm -hmm. God God has blessed us with good days. and, And when there are just these moments where we have these moments of enlargement where we really feel this spiritual high, where we feel like God is really speaking to us. And, and everything seems to be clicking. And it's in those moments that if we are not paying attention, if we're not being careful, that's when the enemy comes in or when we, we, we step into something and don't realize we've stepped into it. And I, I've seen people make these incredible vows or incredible moments of just, I just feel so close to the Lord and, and, and see so passionate about it, only see like just a few weeks later be fall into moral collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, much worse than where they were before they had this moment of enlargement. So it is um, it is one of those things that uh, we need to uh, we really need to be careful about the things that are uh, that haunt us in our past mm-hmm. and the things that have come back on a repeated basis and and be paying attention to those things and that's why spiritual discipline I've had this conversation with several people this week why spiritual disciplines are so important having this routine of your day of mm-hmm. saying I, I spend this time in the Word. I spend time in prayer. I spend time journaling. I, I have people that I contact every week that I, I check on and they check on me and so forth. The reason why you keep those things in balance is because he's looking for that moment where you just are not mm-hmm. paying attention yeah. and then lose your footing mm-hmm. and stumble. So mm-hmm. good word from Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we also, and we, we think of disciplines now. There's such a uh, movement out there to take good spiritual disciplines and to take, move that into like legalistic, um, you know, religion Mm -hmm. has almost become like a byword for legalism. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is true religion. There is good religion, not the jeans company, but there is, there is good religion. Um, and, and, and spiritual disciplines, man, strengthen the believer. Mm -hmm. They don't tear down or limit them either. Yeah. Or limit them. No. Um, I mean, just like the runner that runs every single day is more healthy Right. Because they have a discipline. Right. They're not limited in their discipline. Anyway, yeah, that's good. Um, I'm going to jump over to Proverbs 3, uh, verses 7 and 8. And this is this comes right after where it says, um, you know, this is on coffee mugs and T-shirts and, and life verses. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not um, stick to your own understanding right. and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Something like that. Um, well, song. There's songs written by it. Yeah, whole song. <laughs> right. Uh, so Proverbs 3, 7 and 8 says... Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. 
And uh, I just wrote down that self-analysis mm-hmm. is linked to physical well-being in this mm-hmm. place. Now, mm-hmm. um, the thing about the lies of the world and the lies of the enemy is that they take the truth of God and they twist it. They don't completely change everything. They just twist the end result mm-hmm. of what you do right. with that information. Um, and it's interesting um, how like the world looks at self um like self-image, like having a positive self-image hmm. as being the thing that will cause physical help or mental health. Right. Um, but um, Solomon, the you know wisest man ever, is is experienced everything, and he goes into this saying that no, like if you have this self-image of yourself being wise, then your body is going to take a negative toll hmm. on that. Um, and so it's interesting. Um, how the word says to consider yourself lower than others. And Jesus says, blessed, like happy are those who are meek. Um, mm-hmm. And and they're the ones who will receive blessing. But the world says, well, you think highly of yourself and you'll feel better. Um, mm-hmm. And and maybe that's true for a time, but the end result of that is pain. And, and so I guess for me, what that translates to in my life is how can I um, constantly pursue wisdom, but think of myself as lower and lower mm-hmm. and others as greater and greater. Um, and and I think there are probably situations where you may not come out ahead of the person next to you mm-hmm. in that case. Um, but, but our reward isn't here. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't try to build up a kingdom on earth. And if the other person gets ahead of you in life, so be it. You know, mm-hmm. you've, you are pursuing uh, godliness and wisdom and, um, and that's, that's anyway, it's kind of that trail is where I went yeah. today. And it, that uh, that whole chapter uh, leans to not only physical well-being, but also uh, just a uh, that mental well-being. Mm-hmm. And I think the you know it talks about being able to sleep at night and mm-hmm. and 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 I think of the people, the anxiety disorders we have in our culture today, and how many people are suffering from depression and mm-hmm. and stress and stress-related diseases and and the pain and the aching and the the mental anguish and so forth. And and we so much of our medication is trying to counterbalance those things. Whereas if we just simply were at peace with God, uh, a lot of those things wouldn't even exist. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, again, where those dis- daily disciplines come in. It's so funny how you say, you know, and doctors will tell you this all the time, uh, if you if you eat right, if you exercise regularly, mm-hmm. you're going to feel so much better. Yeah. You add spiritual disciplines to that, and, and you have a lot of uh, peace at the end of every day. And then you can focus on caring for other people instead of having to focus on caring for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think of how much of our lives are lost just having to care for ourselves mm-hmm. because of the pain we've created in our lives mm-hmm. just simply by not doing what God told us to do. And then it becomes like this vicious cycle because yeah. Yeah. We, we lean on right? Like the, the world's understanding of how to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and you end up needing more of that and more of it right. and more of it. And we wonder why we, we don't feel good. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and don't know how, and act like we don't know how to get off, but it's right. like, we all know how to get off. It's yep. like, we all know what to do. It's just a, a question of doing it. And that is, again, it's, it's just beginning today. It's saying mm-hmm. today I'm going to start reading the word, I'm going to spend time in prayer, I'm going to eat right, I'm going to sleep right, uh, sleeping, just getting rest. And and some people say, well, I can't sleep. Well, go back to those spiritual disciplines. Uh, I've not met too many people who I say, just pray until you fall asleep, uh, who say, I stay all, all night praying. Right. If you did, praise the Lord. A lot of people got a lot of intercession that <laughs> night. But uh, yeah. but if not, then uh, you get a good night's rest. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. 
Well, um, my second one was in Matthew 13, verses 44. Mm-hmm. Um, super, it's just one verse, but there's just so much in it and um, joy in it. And Anyway, so here's what it says. It says, the king, it's Jesus talking, by the way, it's a parable. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Mm. Um, and this kind of relates to what I said at the last pop. In the lab, and ooh, excuse me, in the last podcast, was that um, people we, we shouldn't do things out of obligation, but just out of love of God. Um, you know, and when he was talking about being laborers in the in the harvest, it's we're not doing that because um, he just tells us to. We do it because we love him enough, and we want to obey him. And and also when we love people that way, when we when we have compassion, we do these things. And so just with this, um, we're not um, selling our our house and all of our possessions just because. You know the Bible has people who do that, but 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 because we love him, um, because it says then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, um, and it's because he understands who God is and what he's done for them, um, and understands who Jesus is and what he's done for them, and this leads um, to a point that a lot of um, people don't like to hear, but our theology, our knowledge of God, leads to our doxology, which is our worship of God, and so we need to think deeply to feel deeply, and we need to think correctly to feel correctly, and that will lead to worship of God. Um, and so also just kind of with your legalism point, um, you know, the Bible has stories like this where people like just have all they have what they have and they just sell it all and they go, we don't have to do that. Um, sometimes we're called to, and so we should, but we don't have to. It's not something that we're obligated to do. We're not obligated to give, you know, our, you know, children over to the church and be like, okay, you're, you're sacrificed for the work of God, because that's what people have done before. We don't have to compare ourselves. We have to love God with our heart, soul, and mind and, and know him. And then that will lead us to worship him more and more. Yeah. And I think that uh, is a good word. Uh, the, the, when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he told him to sell everything he had, I think the people who can identify to that is when the things you have hinder your ability mm-hmm. to follow Christ, yeah. uh, then you have to let those things go. Yeah. It's whatever gets between you and Christ that you have to let go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it's it's he's basically saying you can keep the kingdom you have mm-hmm. or you can receive the one I want to give you. And uh, and, and that's and whatever is whatever kingdom, whatever you have in your kingdom that keeps you from going into his, uh, you either release it or you stay in your own kingdom. So. Mm. Well, and I think so often people like think of um, following God and just being a part of the church as like this just like miserable part about being in a relationship with Jesus. It's like, and they're just like, oh, I do have to give tithes or, oh, I do have to go share yeah. the gospel and be uncomfortable or, oh, I have to go to church. And it's like, no, in his joy, he gave all this up. Like yeah. it is joyful to follow the Lord and it's joyful to know him and joyful to worship him. And so that's just like, <laughs> well, and, and this sounds harsh, but if it's not, then don't, Yeah, just right, don't follow right. Jesus. Choose, go right. with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that the, the, the idea of discipleship is so foreign to us today. And, and that's what the entire message of Christ is. His, uh, someone said something very uh, pointed uh, to me this week in my devotional time was that uh, if you you can't make a di- you were called to make disciples but you can't make a disciple if you're not a disciple mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so the yeah. the thing that most of us have to get past is did we actually decide mm-hmm. to follow Christ and to right. be his disciple because to be a disciple of Jesus is to say I'm going to learn everything that mm-hmm. you do and I'm going to practice that yep. not uh, and any if you come to him on any of the terms then you really don't understand uh, the the call to uh, follow him. Yeah, mm. that's good. Good stuff.
Oh, it's me, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have something from Psalm chapter 11. Uh, it says, In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The enemy is always uh, seeking a way to destroy us, and, and the Lord allows him to strike. Uh, it, it, he strikes fear in our hearts because he's testing us to see where we're going to turn for hope. Uh, he allows the enemy to pull that bowstring back and to aim it at us and so forth. And, and then it's, you know, where do, who do I cry to? Where do I look to uh, for my hope? And it's through that testing that God is revealing the true nature of our hearts to us, God already knows that we're not depending on him or we are depending on him. And he is revealing that truth uh, to us and, and those around us. Sometimes I think we convince ourselves that we are being faithful and true uh, when, in fact, uh, we're just deceitful and wicked. Mm. And many times we say our hope is in Christ and he's our strong tower. But when the enemy presses us, uh, we turn elsewhere for hope. God is God when he makes us aware of that that is an opportunity to repent. So one of the things my sister talks about when my daughter and my sister and various others uh have grieved about this and that is when the vaccine came out for covid how people were praising the vaccine and saying finally we have hope now mm, and it's like yeah. wow I you know you have to understand God God is our hope I mean how would you feel if God you know, it's like it's like if a guy walked up I was thinking of this illustration uh today if a guy walked up uh, or extremely wealthy man and gave his son $5 to give to a beggar. And the and the child takes the $5 from his dad and gives it to the beggar. And the beggar said, looks at the boy and says, thank you, thank you so much. And a beggar next to him says, well, you should thank the dad because that's really where that came from. Can you imagine the beggar looking at the other one going, no, it's the boy. You know, the, <laughs> I'm praising the boy. The boy <laughs> yeah. is everything, yeah. you know. And, uh, and, not the, and, and the dad is just thinking, you're a bunch of idiots, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And if, if the son responded, it was me. It wasn't my dad. You know, forget it's – because all of the resources that we have, all of the, the sustaining of our lives on our daily basis comes from God. I mean, he not only is providing the vaccine for COVID, he provides all the protection we have from every disease that is in there. We are living in a and, – and people will say, well, isn't he to blame for all of this? Didn't God – couldn't God have kept this from happening? And he could have kept it from happening – but then we wouldn't be here. When he let Noah live on that ark, uh, he messed it all up. Uh, but he was allowing the line of humanity to continue on so that his son could come and be uh, re redeem us. Uh, but when Adam and Eve fell, uh, there were two choices. He could have killed them, and that would have been the end of humanity, or he could have provided a means of salvation for them. And he chose the latter, and that's why we're here. And, and we have now the option to choose that plan of redemption. But always understanding that he is the he is our source he is our source of hope in every scenario every situation so no is is the vaccine a bad thing good thing whatever whatever the case give praise and glory to god mm -hmm. awesome 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 all right last one here um matthew 12 is where i'm gonna close close up my my little section here um but 
It's talking about, um, you know, the Sabbath a lot and mm-hmm. um, how Jesus basically breaks it. Shabbat. Shabbat. Yeah, I was actually having a conversation. It was today, but when the podcast comes out, it would have been a couple days ago. Okay. So a couple days ago, um, I was having a conversation with a local pastor, and we were talking about the Shabbat. Today, mm-hmm. And uh, so it was interesting, um, as I was going through my my uh, my notes from the reading, just I saw this one. I was like, let's let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I've already talked about it once today, but... Um, but with Jesus, he calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. The mm. the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And and I really encourage you to, I'm not going to read this whole section because like 1 through 21 kind of gives the whole story. But what I wrote down is there's a lot about, a lot of talk about the church and social justice. You know, if, if, you, if you haven't heard that conversation, you're not probably listening very hard. Um, but, uh, but no one argues that the church should show justice and mercy to the community around, mm. right? Like right. it's pretty much agreed upon. They argue over how that goes, that happens and how that should go about and who deserves what, or who should be, you know, shown justice and mercy to, but the Lord's servant, Jesus, right. Didn't argue about how it should be done. He just went and did it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, we get so tied up in the argument of, well, if we did this for this person, then we have to do that for that person, and we have to right. we, we make all these um, you know plans and ways that the church is going to do that, and we make methods for ourselves. And I'm not condemning any of that necessarily. I'm just saying that Jesus didn't have a conversation about how he was going to serve the community. He just took it upon himself to go serve mm-hmm. the community mm-hmm. and take healing to the people around him that straight mm-hmm. up just didn't deserve it. I mean, it was just people who had no deserving other than they were there and God's servant was there in the same right. place and he he did he did that mercy and and it fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which I think just sums it up really well in um in verse 17 to 21 I will read that it says what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled here is my servant whom I have chosen my beloved in whom my soul delights I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations he will not argue or shout and no one will hear his voice in the streets. Mm-hmm. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smolder, smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory. Mm-hmm. The nations will put their hope in his name. And I love that. Like, he's this unassuming man who is, the scripture says there's nothing impressive about him except that he just went and did the work. He didn't make mm-hmm. t-shirts for the event. Um, he didn't um, advertise on social media. He just went. And did work in the community. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, he didn't start any arguments. He didn't lift his voice. He didn't argue really about anything. He just did. And I think that our um, our churches today could learn a lot, a lot from that. And this is all under the under the umbrella of the Sabbath. Right. Uh, which is just, I mean, we could we could probably have a whole sermon series on that. But yeah. um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. Very I good. think I think and and just and about the T-shirt comment, like I. I, I do a lot of the like advertising and marketing for our church, mm-hmm. and and I'm all about the T-shirts and the like posters yeah. and the billboards and radio commercials and all that stuff, and that's great. The community should know that the church is here for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on um, advertisements mm-hmm. of what we're doing and that we have a good name in what in mm-hmm. what we're doing, and less of we spend more time advertising than we do actually do in the work sometimes. And I think that I think one of the arguments about social justice and is and the social gospel is is the 
is the is the lack of connection to the gospel mm-hmm. and and I think the important thing to remember about Jesus is that he when he was doing the ministry and, and going out and sharing and so forth that it was at his father's bidding to accomplish his father's purpose uh, to bring glory to the father and and he wasn't focused on bringing glory to himself he was a person on a mission he was expressing he was revealing to us that God does have compassion on widows that God does have compassion on children that God does have compassion upon the poor and so he is doing these things but the the message was always uh this is the love of god mm-hmm. being yeah. uh conveyed to you not just a simple of not not putting the focus on humanity and how mm-hmm. good humanity needs to be toward each other but making sure that god is receiving uh, the glory for that and, and where churches go awry sometimes is they tend to play down uh, the acknowledgement of God uh, and 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 portray you know the goodwill of us being uh, people good people you know the the goodness of mankind and and it's always important to remember that without the gospel if you take the gospel out of it you've you know, you've just given a person a piece of bread. I mean, Jesus fed the multitudes, but it gave him the opportunity to talk about how he was the bread of life, mm-hmm. and and you know, and he uh, he gave water to people who needed to drink, but it was uh, but it was the living water, you know, and and uh, that's um, that's why he um, uh, that's I think that's the element that we can never lose sight of is that this is our opportunity to uh, convey the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm. I think also just kind of what you were saying, just. Um, he just did it. And I think so many times um, people my age uh, and probably towards your age and maybe yours, I don't know, yeah. um, but they just wait for someone else to do something. Um, they wait for the corporation and they wait for the church to do something. And it's like, well, we have, you know, God protecting us and with us. And so we can go and serve uh, and do these things with his power with us. Mm, and and yeah. they, they wait for approval from, from these people or they, or they, they um, tear down someone else because they're not doing what they want them to be right. doing. And it's like, you're not accountable for their actions. You're, and you're only accountable for yours and you're accountable to God yeah. and not them. And they're not accountable to you either. And so I think that's really awesome just to hear, uh, yeah. even for me, it's like, yeah. I'm accountable to to go out and right. serve just as he yeah. did, and not for my glory, but for his. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like you said, people look at the church or look at government. Like, shouldn't they be doing something? Mm-hmm. And and maybe, um, but yeah. I have a car. Yeah, uh, right, I know, exactly. I know, I know where downtown is, and yeah, I know yeah. I have I have expendable income. You know, right, I can do right. a lot myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna try to be the old guy in the discussion here, but <laughs> <laughs> I am. I just want to point out that it, that it is it it appears many times this is a, a, something we all do when in our youth is to, we it appears that Jesus did just go out and do it. But he didn't just go out and do it. Right. He was doing it at the beckoning of his father. Right. right. And exactly. he was he was in tight enough a relationship with mm-hmm. the father that he knew to go out. And and so he was an expression of the father's right. will yeah. just uh, just naturally because he was so tightly mm-hmm. bound to the father. And yeah. you take that away. If you remove that, it leaves us in a place where we are impotent or unable to do things mm-hmm. because we don't know what to do right. or we wind up doing the wrong thing mm-hmm. because we don't have that connection to the father and uh, and so yeah i would absolutely say uh, we we are our response sometimes is well it just won't do anything mm-hmm. but the but the answer is supposed to be no you need to restore your relationship with <laughs> right, the father right, right. and then yes and then yeah. and then go and do because that uh, go bay because the lost flashback world's... to a t-shirt yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah the lost world can be humanitarian yeah. you know exactly yeah, so. yeah well it is much more so than the church sometimes yeah. and that's yeah. that's yeah. the sad part is that the church the 
the lost world is doing more for mankind sometimes uh, in some contexts in some communities than the church is. The mm-hmm. lost world uh, looks to other lost people for mm-hmm. help more so than it will look to the church. Right. And that is, I believe, because we are not uh, – committed to be in relationship with the Father or expressing who he wants us to be, which is the situation Jesus came into. Mm -hmm. He came into a situation where the Pharisees and the Sadducees, their doctrine had, he even pointed it out. He said, you're not taking care of your own parents and and God clearly commands you to do that and you Mm -hmm. found a way around it. And so their doctrine had actually turned them the opposite of what God intended for them to be. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to be answering some hard-hitting questions um, that will tear your life apart. Not really. I mean, maybe. Um, but but we'll, we'll see. We'll test it. So we'll be right back. Right back. All right, we are back. We have, I don't know, four-ish questions, something like that. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Josh. Who has some questions. He has some questions. So Ooh. why don't you uh, go ahead and throw them out there and see where they land. I wish I could say that I knew the answer to this question, but I don't. Let's so hope, that's why I'm going to ask, Let's hope Troy. somebody at this table I hope does. someone does. I so, sure hate saying I don't know on a podcast. <laughs> so I um, have heard this word thrown about throughout Scripture and um, throughout the, just like, lessons that I've sat under, but um, Psalm 917 says this, the wicked shall return to Sheol or Sheol or however you pronounce Uh it, all the nations that forget God. So what is Sheol or Sheol? Is it a metaphor? Was it real? What's the significance there? And if so, like, was there a history behind it? There is a history behind it. It is, uh, it is the place of the dead. And so everyone who dies goes somewhere and the place, the word that's used to describe the place where dead people go is Sheol. And um, the uh, Hades is what it is in Greek. And one of the things that Jesus was pointing out is that uh, in the uh, Greek idea, you, Hades was actually the person who guarded the mm-hmm. gates of hell yeah. and decided who could come in. And, and so uh, Jesus pointed out that he has the keys uh, to Hades, uh, that he is the one who is the keeper mm. of the dead. There is no other God, no other being, no other source who guards the dead apart from him, that he has access to who goes into the place of dead and who is who goes into it and who is released from it. Uh, and so that's um, that the idea. The Jewish understanding always would have been that God is the gatekeeper, but in the Greek understanding, uh, they had their own gods that they believed took care of these things, but Jesus dispelled that and said, no, uh, it is me. I am the I am the keeper of of, of the dead, uh, so to speak. So he has every ability to, and, and he demonstrated that with his calling up of Lazarus. He was able, Lazarus mm-hmm. is in Sheol. Uh, he uh, calls to Lazarus, has him drawn out of there wow. uh, and uh, and released from it to demonstrate his power over, over the dead. Uh, we don't think of it in those terms uh, very much. We always think of heaven and hell, uh, but the word for hell uh, is two, really two different descriptions in the mm-hmm. Bible. Uh, Gehenna is really what people are thinking of when they think of the eternal hell. Mm-hmm. It's the lake of fire that Satan will be cast, that was prepared for Satan and his angels and their rebellion. And and at the end of time, he will be cast there uh, for everlasting torment. And all those who follow him will also be cast there as well. So anyway, does that help? Cool. Yeah, no, that's okay, a good. great answer. Yeah. Um, okay, so my next question is in Matthew 13, 58. Mm. Um, and it's a, a little... 
Whoa. Let me read 57 first, and then we'll go into 58. But it says, And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own house, in his own household. Mm-hmm. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And so my question was, does Jesus not do things because we don't believe? Uh, yes, that is true. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> That's exactly what I was looking for. Like in Family Feud. <laughs> <when> they... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think the uh, the the key is there is that he God does whatever he wants to do, mm-hmm. and uh, and works his will whenever. Uh, but he does demonstrate uh, to us that. Like when Jesus was going back uh, and the little girl was dead and he was going to mm-hmm. heal the girl, he only took his disciples back because the people outside were not believing and he only surrounded uh, with people of faith. Um, I've had people misuse that many times, uh, believing that it's because that their their child or their spouse or, or somebody isn't healed because of the unbelief of friends or, mm-hmm. or people around them. And that's not what uh, that passage is saying at all. It's just simply saying that uh, when we do not look to him, if you, if you think of it like God is wanting us to turn to him to be the source of that hope and help, mm-hmm. and, and then when we do turn to him as the source of hope and help, then he responds to that faith by giving us the hope and help that we are looking for. If we don't believe he is the source of hope and help and we're turning to other sources and then he gives, uh, he answers that, then we believe, we put our faith in something that is not God and it, and it actually takes us away from him or it darkens our faith or understanding in God. Uh, you know, if, if I believe, if, you know, if I ask Daniel for help and you were the one actually helping me, I'm actually believing it's Daniel who's helping me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking mm-hmm. these, I'm giving glory to Daniel where that glory is displaced and, uh, and, and actually could lead to my own damnation. So, uh, so God, yeah, that's, it just, it makes sense if you think of it, that he's trying to draw us to him. And so he's waiting for us to look to him for help so then he can reinforce that. Anyway, that's good. Good. Two good questions. Man. Brad had a question in, uh, in Genesis, uh, both this week's and next week's reading, actually. It's, uh, but uh, when Rachel died, mm-hmm. um, she was buried. And, uh, and then when, uh, as we're going to find out next week, we're kind of jumping ahead. Uh, when Jacob dies, he is not buried with Rachel. But uh, in the death of Rachel, uh, they find a place and, and set up the grave for her. And um, and when she gave birth to Benjamin, she passed away. Mm-hmm. And so he had her buried, but he did not um, have her buried. And it really doesn't have a lot. Uh, one of the telling things about it is it doesn't really have a lot about Rachel at that point in, in life. Uh, we knew that. Uh, the question is, Jacob, if you're not familiar with the story, Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. And and so that was not hidden in the word at all. He worked for Laban for seven years and and uh, and thought he was going to get Rachel as a wife as a reward, and he didn't. And he had to work another seven years. Uh, he got Leah instead, the older sister, and uh, and then he worked another seven years uh, to get uh, Rachel. And uh, and and let's just put polygamy aside as a discussion right now. But uh, but the 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 idea is is that we all know he loves Rachel more. But then when Rachel dies, he doesn't. Uh, when he doesn't ask to be buried with Rachel, he asked to be buried actually with Leah. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think there's some things that are kind of inferred there that are telling. It doesn't give us a lot of detail, but his relationship toward Leah seems to change um, uh, after that. For one, you have to imagine you have two wives that you have family by and so forth, and uh, and then one passes away and you have the other one. There is no strain in that relationship anymore. It wasn't that he did not love Leah. It was just more that he loved Rachel more, and uh, and that's... And that was just a romantic uh, type of love that I guess we're all familiar with, or at least should have an understanding of. But it it also shows us when we get older in age that those kind of things kind of fade with time. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think it's kind of a, a neat testimony because actually it wasn't Rachel had Joseph and Benjamin. It wasn't from those tribes that God pulled the uh, the the savior of the world. It was mm-hmm. actually one of Leah's children. So mm-hmm. from God's perspective, uh, Leah was the favored one. It was God's mm-hmm. plan that Jacob would marry Leah first, and uh, and she became the mother of the tribe of Judah mm-hmm. and of uh, Jesus, King David, and then obviously Jesus. So uh, so that's uh, I, you know I don't know that he he wouldn't have realized all that by the end of the time, but uh, but it did show that that's where his loyalty lied. Um, at the end of his life. That so. was really, I did never thought about that. That's ooh, really cool. Ooh, mind blown. Wow. Mind blown. Wow. I have one more. Uh, this is a kind of a Matthew chapter 13. You guys, you guys just beat around it uh, in your, <laughs> in your choices of things. There are two really huge uh, questions that come and I can't for the life of me remember if we talked about it last week. And I don't know why we would, because it wouldn't have been last week's question. But it's about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Did we talk about that? We talked about that last time. Yeah, we did. And I don't know why, because we... It was actually in this week's reading. <laughs> uh, it was a question. It was on a list of questions we were given. We probably That's just right. took and it we as... Just, we just threw yeah. it in there. But I wanted to... Let me pull something out real quick uh, The from Matthew, um, because I wanted to make sure that I uh, covered it correctly and, and covered it thoroughly. Um in Matthew chapter uh, uh, 12, 30, was it in this week's, or was it was it this week's reading, or was it last week's? It was this week. It would have been this week. Yeah. Okay. It said, uh, therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Um, and we just pointed out that a person can treat Christ as disrespectfully malign him, spit upon him, even crucify him, and still be forgiven because the path to forgiveness is still available through the conviction of the Holy Spirit and repentance. But if a person believes the Holy Spirit is actually Satan, there is no path to repentance and salvation. Um, and so we did cover that last time. But the um, And so listen to last week's podcast if you have more questions about that. <laughs> if you have more questions than that, then, well, call in. Uh, but the uh, the passage I want to focus on was a Matthew two-parter. Uh, this is kind of this was a question I had after I read this passage in Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 through 29. It says another parable he put forth to them, saying, "The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared." So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. And so 
I had questions in my own mind about, uh, I wonder if this means this or this means that. Then I got to the next day's reading and God answered the questions for me. Uh, in verse 37 through 42, it says, He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things uh, that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, it is... It is indeed Satan who sows the tares and uh, the enemy who puts uh, the evil that is in our world today. And uh, and here's here's the thing that is hard for us to get our mind around. You take a character like Pharaoh in the Old Testament who is there. God did not create Pharaoh to be evil, to accomplish all that Pharaoh did. But Satan introduces a, a character like Pharaoh God is aware that Pharaoh is there, uh, and so he uses the evil that Pharaoh is going to do in order to accomplish the good that, uh, that he wants to accomplish. God, being outside the boundaries of time, sees all the good, bad, the ugly that everyone's going to, uh, to do and works it together like a tapestry and, and is making things. Uh, it's like he looks at Josh's life and Daniel's life and my life and looks at all the decisions we are going to make. We have the free will to make those decisions. But through his sovereignty, he is able to take those decisions and wind, weave them together in order to bring about his perfect will. Now, it's mind-blowing to think of how you could take all the, the thoughts and thinking and actions of billions of people over thousands of years and make all that work together. But that is why we call him God and not ourselves. But he is... Uh, he is uh, he is indeed uh, looking at the world today because we do wonder, uh, why does he just not simply eradicate all the bad from the world? And that's because when you and I, uh, even the angels themselves, when they are looking at people, do not have the understanding that God has. We don't have, you know, when we go out and share the gospel with people, I don't know how people are going to respond to the gospel. I don't know whose hearts are going to be softened to his word. I don't know who's going to respond. And I, one moment, I've had so many examples in my own life of this. People that early in life, I would have sworn that person's going to be in prison or dead or never amount to anything. There is absolutely no possible way that person could ever turn around actually wound up, did turn it around, repented, became a very faithful follower of Christ, and did incredible good for the kingdom. In the Bible, we have the Apostle Paul, who is just this amazing uh, servant. I mean, one of the most profound characters in all the Bible. In fact, you could argue that Paul's character is actually more influential than any of the apostles, even Jesus mm -hmm. himself, in the work that he did upon the earth as far as advancing the church uh, because he God used him in such a great and mighty way. And, and I, I don't want anybody to think, oh, he thinks Paul's greater than Jesus. Jesus himself said that you all, my followers, are going to do greater works than I have done just because when I empower you with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send you out. You have more time. 
anyway, we can get into that later. But the uh, but the idea is this: that Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was a killer of Christians. Had completely uh, believed and believed he was doing right, as any great villain would, uh, just like Thanos uh, thought he was doing something good. Yet uh, yet was converted and uh, and did something uh, amazing and great. So so yeah, we can't look at the wheat and tares and figure it out. But at some point over the course of our life here. That fruit will be manifested. It will. We will demonstrate through our works that we have been changed by God. And I think that's again going back to our discipleship early on. I think one of the things missing in the church today is that that continually making sure people understand it is a faith by works. It is a is a faith that is manifested in works. Meaning faith without works is dead. Let me just quote the word: faith without works is dead. When we uh, we are saved by faith through uh, by grace through faith, uh, and it's not by our works, lest any of us should boast. But once we are saved, the saved life will generate works through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. That is the evidence of a life that has been changed. They don't save us, but they are the evidence that we have been saved. And so the absence of works is something to take very seriously. Uh, the absence of fruit, evidence of Christ that makes you look like a tear, uh, makes you look like you are sown by the seed of the enemy. And uh, but if you have an awareness of that and are and and feel this sense, this need to repent, then all then just repent. Just just begin to follow Christ, and then uh, then everything is good. Uh, and how long do you have to do that? John Wesley used to say, "It's the distance between the saddle and the ground uh, that ta- that takes a man to be saved." Uh, meaning instantly, the moment you say, "You know what? Is not by my works; it's by the works of work of Christ." I'm going to put my faith in Him, my trust in Him. And it meant that it means that if you did, if the thief on the cross had been taken down from the cross and so forth, we believe that his life would have been changed and he would have been baptized and he would go and continue on and, and served Christ faithfully the rest of his days because he was saved through his faith in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ and it would have been evidenced by the work. He didn't have an opportunity to manifest that work, but uh, but that doesn't. Uh, but when given the opportunity, when we have the time, when we are allowed to grow. Uh, that fruit is demonstrated, and, um, and so anyway, that's um, that's kind of. But don't don't ever don't ever attribute that God is the one who puts the evil in the world. God doesn't put the evil in the world, uh, nor does He make people evil. Uh, he is just simply dealing with uh, what the enemy has done and trying to bring about the greatest plan of redemption. Yeah, and just to just kind of end that out with Joseph um, from our reading. His brothers, you know, they. Oh, you're they jumping ahead the next week. I know. Oh, is it? Yeah. Anyway, the Bible does spoiler say. Alert. Spoiler alert. The Bible alert. does say what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah. It yeah. does say that. It does and say we that. will talk about that next, next week. week. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.